What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Kill Marker Podcast, episode 20. Uh, what a fun time. Yesterday, we were actually supposed to have this guest on, but today was the day, and we had Coach Steve Denman, who is the head baseball coach in his 13th season at Sinclair uh, Community College here in Dayton. And I was just so pumped to have this guy on um, and be able to actually have a conversation with him. And he's had such an impact on my life uh, in a lot of different ways. And if I really kind of look back at that that time frame uh, when I had taken myself into out of the playing situation and into a coaching situation, uh, a lot of my approach came from directly from him and the things that he taught me while I was in his program. So hopefully you get as much out of this episode as I did enjoy it. Uh, and I will uh, see you guys on the other side. Thank you. Well, hello, everyone. This is Kale Marker, and welcome to the Kale Marker Podcast, where we post a new podcast daily about something interesting in the world, uh, the epiphanies that I have throughout the day, the ahas, the thoughts that I want to share to you to add value to your life and help you grow. Uh, We also do what we call the Saturday Sauna Podcast, and we also have some guests on the show. These are either experts in their field um, or they are just people I freaking love. So give it a listen, like, share, subscribe, tell somebody about it and tell me how much you love it. Also, I wanna share something with you. I just launched a new product called the Gap5 Journal. I'd love for you to get the free digital template. So go to gap5.com, that's G-A-P-F-I-V-E.com and you'll get the frameworks there. Thank you. What's up? What's up, Coach Dents? I don't know. I never heard of Anchor before. You've never heard of Anchor before? No, and I've done like a hundred podcasts. This is kind of cool. It is kind of cool. Um, where did I hear this from? I think Gary V. I think I don't know if he was promoting it or if he had his hand in it to to start it, but uh, okay. it's very very simple. What do you usually yes. record on? Um, I've done about all of them. I've done just a straight phone call. Um, I've done um, Skypes. A lot of Skypes. And then, uh, let's see what else here. I feel like there was another one I did. I've never done a Zoom recording like for a podcast, but I've been doing Zoom meetings for the last month. So, Yeah, no kidding. It makes a lot of people. Um, yeah, Zoom, I've seen, I've seen quite a few. I, I like to get to the point for the podcast where I have more video content, especially with guests. Um, sure. So that way you can put it on the old YouTubes. Um, but... Uh, I look like a caveman right now, so I didn't. I didn't want to do that. <laughs> uh, which yeah, is... when you said when you said you sent me the link, I was like, well, "Shit!" Like I'm in a robe, and uh, I might have <laughs> to actually put a hat on or something. So, no, uh, I, I figured <clears throat> since we're uh, in the middle of Corona and it's a easy like Sunday morning that we would just kind of hop on here. So, um, you've done lots of podcasts, then, huh? Yeah, I keep getting called to do these podcasts and. I don't know. There's been a couple really nice ones that were uh, really cool for, for my coaching career as far as like uh, just a lot of people reach out. People still reach out to this day about the ABCA one because that's such a big network. Um, and then Jeremy Schiedinger, who runs, who used to run the ABCA, um, well, I'm in like a coaching circle with him, like 15 other coaches that talk daily. But uh, when I was on Sheets, that, again, that one just kind of blew up where it seems like weekly someone says, hey, I saw us on the barn or I saw us on this or podcast and have questions for you. So <clears throat> they're fun. They're cool. 
I like them. I, uh, this is, it's interesting because I'm actually on the, the Twitter feed right now. And as you say, Sheets, like he's the one that like stopped scrolling on. So it's like life, <laughs> lifelong, lifelong learners unite, which was like, actually it was going to be like something I was going to talk about. So, um, we haven't, we haven't actually discussed at all kind of like what the, the podcast is about. I don't know if you've heard any of the episodes. This is episode 20. And so it was actually going through, yeah, man, you're my, you're my second guest. My first one was my brother. So the first one outside the family. Uh, he was a lot more talented than I was, so that's good. Yeah, did you listen to that one? <clears throat> I have not listened to it. I, I haven't, I haven't seen the links are at. Um, I told Kristen, I said, um, I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> Kale just asked so, me. So, <laughs> <clears throat> so really, uh, interesting enough, like lifelong learners and stuff like that. So I, I kind of take, uh, I kind of take three approaches, I guess, to the podcast. One is. I just do most of my episodes right now are just by myself and I'm talking about uh, like growth, like Mm -hmm. things that I've learned along the way uh, in the last decade, um, things I go out and research, books, uh, topics, stories, things like that. So I talk about that's kind of the primary focus of of things. And then I want to bring people on who have either had an impact on my life, who I think could share something um, of value, but I also just want genuine conversation. So it's kind of like the Joe, Joe Rogan a little bit style there. Uh, I don't know if you know, Tim Ferriss, Tim Ferriss kind of brings on experts and then they kind of talk about specific things. So it's kind of like that, but uh, it's really kind of molding itself into its own thing uh, because it's going to be organic. So I don't have anything (laughs) like crazy. That's why I was actually kind of thinking like, he's probably wondering like, dude, I'm so in the dark on this. I have no idea what we're doing. And, uh, it was kind of funny to me. I kind of left it that way just because of what you did to me the other day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> throw, throwing me in the middle of uh, coming in and, and speaking. Well, I think I probably said three words. That might have been the last, one of the last speeches they got, man. You could have dominated it too. So I could have done. I know. I was kicking oh. myself on the way. I was like, <laughs> I, I don't know if I just got this flash in the pan. Like they all just turned to like Napier in my head. And like, <laughs> so I was like, oh, I can't talk to these people because they're all they're all little napiers. And I, yeah. I don't mean that in a negative way. I, well, thank you. I, I kind of want to give some people a background because they don't they don't really know who you are. Maybe uh, some of my people don't know who you are, but obviously you're pretty famous uh, in some realms, a.k.a. baseball and Sinclair. And so um, why don't you give a can you give an introduction or do I need to give an introduction? <clears throat> well, we started already. <laughs> so I uh, here we'll like- start. Welcome, okay. Coach Dance. <laughs> Thanks, Gail. Appreciate you having me. Hmm. Holy crap! I just drank some hot coffee. That sucked. Um, uh, anyways, yeah, give us a give us a quick introduction. I'll I'll pull that piece out. Sure. Well, I uh, just was entering my 13th season as head coach at Sinclair Community College at Dayton, Ohio. Um, I really don't even know how to even score this year as a year. Um, you know, we lose a streak of championships. We lose. A uh, streak of winning 40 plus games. I, I think it's just like the asterisks here now. You know, it says 2020, 14 and nine COVID, or no, nine and five. I think we were COVID. So, but uh, been Sinclair for my whole career as far as uh, collegiate coaching. Started as assistant under Mike Goldschmidt when I was still an undergrad at University of Dayton. And I got the job when I was 23. I was the right man at the right spot at the time. It worked out really well. Had a really good support from the players, and administration gave me a chance. Um, which was very grateful for. So that's uh, pretty much my coaching background as far as Ben and Sinclair for a long, long time. 
in a Sinclair for a long, long time. Um, I actually was noticing, so you guys, this would, this would have potentially, so this is, like I said, the 20th episode of this podcast, and this would have potentially been the 20th uh, OCCAC championship for you guys. Yeah. It's going to be weird. <laughs> I made uh, I've been getting bored of making a lot of videos recently. I'm not very good with technology, but I've been working on like these little iMovie kind of things. And so I made that video a couple weeks ago, of all the dog piles that we've had. I we've saw been, that. Like, yeah. We've been really fortunate to have a lot of dog piles and a lot of those awesome moments that our players have earned. And just thinking about, you know, not having one, it's a bummer. And thinking about, you never know when you get to go back and coach competitively is a bummer. You know, who knows, you know, at this point, I'm pretty optimistic about what will happen and without getting into politics or and act like I'm a doctor, I do think that uh, we will find a vaccine and, and we'll kick this thing. But who knows if you get the coach in the fall or when the next time you get the coach. So can't wait to get back on the field. Can't wait to get back with my guys. I miss them a lot. Yeah, I was going to ask uh, just kind of what what this is like for you and then how maybe you're making the most of it. Because obviously it's like it's it's a lot. And when when we were there, you know, at, when I was there at Sinclair and I, and I noticed that you, when I uh, stopped in at your practice, you guys are still doing, you know, you start practice with some mindfulness. And so knowing that this is kind of outside of your control, uh, majority of it is, is how, how are you kind of dealing with this, this season? Cause that's what it is. It's, it's, it's a season. So how are you dealing with it? Cause you got, you got a new baby, mm-hmm. um, two little ones and, you know, is, is it kind of a double-edged sword where you're enjoying the time outside of the season or is it just kind of excruciating? Like, can you, cause I, I mean, I, maybe that's a tough question because it is, it's, yeah. it's, 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 I don't, I don't mean to choose. I mean, how do you identify, okay, what's important now? Sure. My wife thinks that I, I miss it every day and she thinks I'm in, I hate my life right now and I'm so depressed and, and I'm not, you know, <laughs> maybe it was a little bit when it first happened. I mean, that was one of the, you know, the sadder moments in my coaching career when I got that call from our athletic director saying that we're done. And we were one of the first ones to be done, one of the first ones that just canceled it all. And so the only positive of being one of the first is we were able to kind of get together as a group and have that last moment together, which, you know, how those moments will go, you know, very emotional and guys upset Absolutely. and guys are angered or mad. And, and so, um, and then it just like time like stopped, you know, it was, it was weird because, you know, we're still finding more information out. Different leagues are canceling. You're kind of watching the whole you know, world stop as far as like sports in America. And I think it was like on <clears throat> Saturday or Sunday, you know, it felt like it was it was like three months ago. <laughs> you know, it felt yeah. like it's been, we've been gone forever. It's, it's been three days and it was just a weird time. Um, you know, I've been really fortunate. I have a really good coaching group of guys um, call ourselves the Nectons and uh, a bunch of guys <laughs> that have that growth mindset, lifelong learners like myself. And so we've been able to kind of bounce off each other through all this. And, you know, you turn in a negative into a positive any way you can, you know, as far as we've been, you know, I've been on zoom calls with some of the best coaches in the country, learning, taking notes, um, meeting some new people, you know, again, not face to face, but just over the phone or on zoom video chats and then kind of connecting my players. You know, we started doing some zoom meetings, we kind of went away because our guys are getting a little tired of it, you know, and there's only two weeks left in the semester, but we were doing positional meetings and, and putting up video and, and talking about it and stuff that you, you know, normally wouldn't have a chance to do an opportunity to do because you're practicing everything else. And so it's just been a, a different time. And, 
I really hope that everyone is taking advantage of this time as far as trying to get themselves better and prepared for the next time we have a chance to do this all over again. Uh, but it has been a little interesting with my, my situation, having a child born on February 27th. Uh, I didn't get to go on the only road trip of the year to Georgia because Zoe was, Zoe was born and I had to watch us play poorly on the internet, which wasn't much fun, but, um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to balance that. I work an enrollment job at Sinclair, which when I'm at home now, it's in the, I call it the dining room office because the ethernet cord went stretched the basement. And so, you know, uh, uh, the only good thing is I'm not working eight hour days in enrollment. The way it works is my time split up in the, in the spring because of baseball. So, you know, I give four or five hours a day to enrollment. I'm able to still help out my wife with the kids, you know, as newborn babies are pretty fun and you never know what you're going to get. So, but I really, I really enjoyed the family time. I just missed, miss my guys, miss competing. And, um, you know, it's just, it's sad. There's a lot of people affected by this and, you know, the worst thing obviously would be someone loses their life because of COVID, but I'm staying as positive yeah. as I can. Absolutely. So when you're, when you're talking to your guys, cause you're in a position and now that you're a parent and I've been a parent for a little while, actually pretty much a year after I left playing ball for you. And now you have your guys and, you know, talking to them over zoom, how, I mean, cause you're deflated too, and you're in a position of leadership and you've been in a position of leadership for a long time. How, I mean, are some of these guys feeling deflated? Like what's the point? Like what's the purpose of, of getting better right now? Or like what's going through some of their mind? What are some of the conversations that you're having with your team? Cause you said sure. uh, that they're, that they're, you know, zoom calls are kind of falling off and just kind of curious as to, you know, how, how you keep them motivated or how, like what's the conversations around that right now? Sure. Yeah, it's extremely difficult. Um, I think some of the reasons why they're falling off is guys just have a lot going on too. Even though there's a lot of time, free time, you know, having, you know, five classes in person now having five classes online, that's tough to balance for people that aren't used to distance learning. Uh, we have a lot Absolutely. of guys that do do online uh, distance learning classes while they're on campus and have, do a really good job with that. But some guys just aren't built for that. So, you know, that plus a lot of guys have picked up jobs. I think half our team's working at grocery stores right now, seems like. Wow. And so, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, we kept having, we tried to pick a time to work for everybody, but there was just so many conflicts and I was just tired of kind of policing it and trying to make sure everybody was there and stuff. And so I just kind of told them that I'm there if you need me. Uh, you know, I, I do still keep in tabs with our group me. I do still send them stuff, um, you know, daily or every couple of days about different things and, and constantly checking their grades and, you know, you try to motivate them. Some of it is through like the fear of like, you need to get this done. Welcome and back. We're, we're back. <laughs> I, I forgot that I have to put my do not disturb on. Uh, and my mom called and she, she cut the broadcast right off. I'm going to put mine on too. I never even thought of that when I'm on some of these calls. I probably just got lucky previously. So I, yeah, I, I was just, I, I was just answering a deep, long question and I had no idea you weren't there. <laughs> so I'm not even sure when it got cut off to be honest. I, I was totally thinking, I was like, man, he's not even reading this message. I'm sure he's just yeah. babbling on right now. This is yep. perfect. So, um, yeah, we were, we were just talking about the Zoom calls and getting people on there. Um, but I actually, I, one of the questions I had, actually, I wanted to go into as well, since I can't remember fully what we were um, talking about. Look at, look at me go. I don't take notes for this stuff. Um, <laughs> could you imagine that? Yeah, I can imagine. You can? Yeah. How much I have a I have a question. How much of a player's personality can you at this point, thirteen years, can you 
almost predict where a large portion of where their lives are going to be at in the next decade? Well, that's a good question. Um, Ooh, is, is that a little too deep for you? No, it's not too deep. I, I think you, I think you can. You know, you, you, there's some that are a little cloudy, I would say, where you still are really unsure maybe when you're around them, but there's some that you just know they're destined to be really successful, whatever they do, um, just based on how they were with their teammates, what kind of person they were, their their core values, uh, the way they communicate, the way they handle pressure situations. Um, so, yeah, I think there's there's a predictor. We, we have a pretty good feel for the guys that are going to figure it out right away, but there's also those guys that don't figure it out right away that, you know, surprise you a little bit later or it might take a little time. It's kind of like the guys that, you know, we have a, obviously have a maturity issue. We used to with some of our players. <laughs> I think it's yeah. gotten a little better now that we've been able to recruit maybe a higher level student athlete guys with 30 plus ACTs and 4.2s. You're just a little more responsible than wow. maybe, maybe some of the previous guys we had, but you know, every, everyone kind of figures it out. The light bulb goes off at some point and some are, are later than others. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that I pretty much have a good feel, but there's some guys that will surprise you. It just might take a little longer. So you think it's probably um, – because that makes me think of – there are some people who I played with, uh, even growing up in, like, high school sports, that maybe had those really high ACT, really good grades, but didn't have a lot of mental toughness, right, and couldn't sure. handle adversity. Whereas I've played with some people who would be the, the opposite end of the school system structure, right, the ACTs and lower. But, like – are just dogs when it comes to being able to handle adversity and step up in big situations. And so do you feel like a lot of the, like your job is easier or your recruiting process has just improved a lot over time through experience or like, what do you think? I think it's improved over time with experience, but it's also improved because of success, you know, because the guys that came here before, you know, and you keep winning games and, you know, the players before you, <clears throat> I want to say our first division one guy was, was Dan Jensen, you know, to go to UC. And so that we didn't, haven't had a lot of those previously to Dan going. And then, you know, another guy, another guy, then all of a sudden it was 14 in a year. So, you know, as you're able to show <clears throat> success and guys going to pro ball or guys getting drafted or guys reaching those goals, more and more players want to come play for you. But as far as like the players you mentioned, you know, the guys maybe that, didn't have the highest test scores, but just had that, you know, that, that it factor, you know, those guys, you, you're hoping now, you know, whatever you're doing in your career, those guys are hopefully the ones leading the meetings, hopefully the guys that are in the leadership roles, because some of those people that don't have to handle adversity well, that, you know, don't have those experiences, I guess you could say that have all those, those genius or high test scores, high GPA type people, you know, are good at what they do, but they're not people usually that I want to get behind and lead because, they don't know how to handle things when things go bad or when there is a problem, they kind of just fold and, and, and aren't as successful in my experiences, I guess you could say. So I like, I like being around as many athletes as possible because I think that, you know, even in my workplace and in, in Sinclair and enrollment, there's not many athletes there, but the one that is, is as cool as a cucumber. And so we get along very well. And, and, and I actually co I coached him when he was like 15 or 16 years old, but you know, I know that there are crisis modes going on. Like, we're not going to be the ones with their heads on fire. We're going to be able to handle the situation. And uh, a lot of people, that's not the case. <clears throat> what, what would be some other indicators that, you know, and, and I, I guess this would probably extend beyond just 
like players, but like as you've evolved and you've seen this and you've seen behaviors, what are what are some of those 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 things, those things that you look for when you're looking for players or even friends or like people you want to surround yourself or learn from? Like what are some of those key indicators for you that you really look for um, to have on your team or to be like surrounding yourself with? Sure. Well, you want guys, you know, who are really committed to see how good they can be you know, that want to develop and not just talk about things. You know, we have so many guys that used to talk about playing professional baseball or getting drafted and, you know, but their work ethic did not even, wasn't even close to the level they wanted to play at. I think that a big thing in the recruiting part of it is finding those guys who not only have the tools and you look at them, you're like, this guy's got some tools. We can help develop those, but also that come from, you know, programs that are really successful and they've really stalled that winning culture. So you know, I know there's there's so many really good high school coaches just in Ohio alone who when a player comes to their program, those guys are prepared for college. Just like I hope that when our guys leave our program, you know, guys know, and I think they do. That's why we get a lot of our guys recruited, that our guys are prepared to, to make an impact in their program. And so I think that the more people uh, that, you know, are speaking on your behalf about your character, your work ethic, all those different things, you know, those are the guys I want to be around. Uh, Joey Ford who was our shortstop, shortstop that you played with back in the day. Joe probably had the most um, letters recommendation you could ever find, you know, and, and that he was one of, he might've been our first Grove city, Ryan Alexander guy, which Ryan is an unbelievable coach. And, and we have had so many of his players and they've all for the most part been very successful. Um, he calls us Grove city South and we call him Sinclair North and they're based out of Columbus. But, but, <laughs> but Joe Ford, I mean, Dusty Baker wrote a letter about Joe Ford and that wasn't the turning point, but there was just so many people pouring in about how great of a, not just a player, but just a, a human this guy was and, and relentless and all these different things. And, you know, we bought, you know, up there, watched him played and fell in love with him there, you know, and then he had two years at Sinclair and it was still kind of like, you know, where does he do? What position does he play? And I know when he got recruited to Wright State, I don't know if they were even thinking he was going to play shortstop there and, maybe slide him over to second base type guy, or maybe just be a role player. And, you know, he's such a committed athlete. He got his body right, worked really hard, and was a starting shortstop for his entire senior year. Um, and so, you know, I, I think – I love that guy. Yeah, he's just – and there's not many guys – I don't think anyone would ever say a bad thing about Joe Ford as a teammate and just the way he handles himself and takes care of his business. But I think, you know, you can go watch baseball and watch games, and you can obviously watch talent sticks out. A guy has three or four knocks or – the guy strikes some guys that light the radar gun up, but, you know, spending time with recruits or, you know, learning more about them. I think a lot of it comes from those, their social circles, you know, their high school coaches, their summer coaches, their teachers. And, and again, Joe had like 10 ref- references from people that just wanted to put their name on Joe's name, which I think that made a huge difference for me. Absolutely. So that's probably a huge indicator when, when other people can vouch for that person undeniably and willingly, like without being asked, sure. like talking, talking awesome about that. Yeah. So for, for you, I, one of the questions I had was like, what is, what is one of the, and it might be this one now, but what is, what is one of the biggest challenges that you've, you've ever encountered? And, and it doesn't have to, it can go beyond baseball. It doesn't have to be about baseball. Um, just what's one of the biggest challenges you've kind of ever faced and, you know, how how did you how did you handle it? How did you go through it? How did you move through it? I've had a lot of challenges <laughs> at Sinclair. Um, I'm not even sure which ones I want to speak on here. Uh, I'm trying <laughs> to be mindful that some people could listen to it. So, um, gosh, there's so many. I want to say, and maybe I will talk about one, but I, I will say that I think early on, 
you know, I, I probably didn't handle them as well as I should have. You know, my, my first, anytime I get attacked or anything, someone goes against our program. My first thing is to fight for our players. Um, just like someone would in a, in a game fighting with an umpire, arguing with an umpire. Now I don't really argue with umpires too much and I've never been ejected. Knock on wood. <clears throat> but I, but I feel like, you know, I, I first, you know, fight for them. And we've had some things go against us. You know, COVID is something that's been very tough to deal with. And, you know, but there's been emotional situations like in the year we, we lost, we had to forfeit those two games. That was your team too, wasn't it? Uh, it was. What two? The team. Okay. We had to forfeit those two games. Um, we had, we won. Yes. The, we won the conference, and we had to instead of dogpiling, we had to celebrate with ginger ale off the field. Ginger so, ale. Yeah. Yeah. Because those two games are important, and we forfeit them because of administrative error. And you know that was really tough, tough to swallow. And I thought that I was like the only one at Sinclair that cared. Like this was a big deal, and, and there was weeks and weeks of warnings about this, and and I kept communicating, and no one took care of it, and. You know, at the end, you know, no one really cared. And besides like us and inner circle, and there's been times when, you know, we've been thrown the fire with maybe some financial stuff at Sinclair or importance of Sinclair. And we've responded well with that. You know, there was the, the forfeit game a couple of years ago in 2018, where we had a player ejected in the first inning and umpire couldn't handle the pressure of the game. And it really wasn't a, a, that bad of a moment. He tossed them and you know, I don't have a lot of players ejected. I can count on less than one hand. It might have been my first or second ever. Second, I think it was total. And uh, he went to the press box because we're in Xenia. You know, where's else going to go? <laughs> Walk to Dayton. And uh, game two, my phone came back on because it was dead because it was cold. I don't know. And I called our AD and told him. He's like, yes, leave the premises. So kid found a ride. And, and then, you know, no problems. We, we won. It was dramatic. It was awesome. The next day, we're playing Vincennes. I watched the video. The ball was eight inches off the plate. The kid didn't draw a line. He pointed. It was just a bad, bad day. And so I didn't suspend him any more than he already was. We had a game with Vincennes. I said, you're not going to start. You know, and I'm not going to play you, but it's not because I'm mad at you. Just giving some guys some opportunities. Sure enough, the ninth inning comes around. And uh, <laughs> he, uh, he has to go in because the guy hurts his hamstring. And still think nothing of it. And then Thursday, so it was a Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Thursday, uh, the visiting coach from the other team who's a rival, and let's leave it at that, uh, they started to train with the national office saying that, you know, we didn't file, we didn't do what we were supposed to do. The kid didn't leave the premises. And, you know, they started this huge investigation. And it was just, it was a bad deal. And all of a sudden, you know, even with a, you know, a, a, we also uh, appealed it. We had to pay for an appeal too. We had to forfeit uh, one of those wins. Uh, we had to forfeit the next win against Vincennes, and the player was suspended for a game in conference on Friday, and I was suspended for both games in conference. Um, and that was one of the first games I ever missed, maybe the first ones. So that was really tough. You know, we used it, you know, as a, a rallying cry. I think we won like. 25 to 30 games afterwards, something ridiculous. That was the year went to the World World Series in 18. But uh, yeah, the biggest thing, as you know, is emotions cloud reality. So there's something that goes doesn't go your way. Really try to you know calm yourself down. You know, give yourself a little time to think about it and digest, and then try to attack it. But you know, I I've, I probably could have be less. I could be less aggressive at sometimes, but I'm always doing it on behalf of my players. Like I'm always going to fight for them and and make sure that they get the best and the, what they deserve the best. So. I love it. Uh, I, 
I, I was going to say something, but I didn't want it to be mistaken. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to leave it on the shoulder. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I definitely have seen that from you. Sure. And I'm actually, I'm curious, are you, do you, do you parent the same way? Do, do you have that same, that same, uh, fire like that same emotion or is it is it completely different uh i think it's pretty much the same like i feel like you know we're we're relatively new parents you know we have a three-year-old harper and we have a newborn in zoe and obviously they're not there's (laughs) there's a lot of development from here until then i I was on a call the other day when someone mentioned it for for young girls um by the time they're 12 it was like 90 percent or 75 percent of their self-esteem comes from their father and I was like, wow. oh, holy cow. <laughs> that was Pat Murphy, the softball coach at Alabama, who's won national championships and is a dude. And I was like, wow, I better uh, better be doing a good job with that. So, but I think that I've always prepared for that. <laughs> you got to have a plan and you got to make sure that you're obviously teaching and modeling. Modeling is the biggest one. Gosh, modeling is so important because, oh my God. you know, you can't, you can, if, you, if, if you're a coach, you're a teacher, you're a parent who, says one thing and then does your own thing or doesn't, then they're not going to buy in. You know, my daughter doesn't know she's three, but my players know they're 19 and 21 years old. So I think we've always modeled what we preach, whether that's mental game or mental skills. And that's, you know, even some of the guys on our staff, it's taken a while to kind of get to that point, but we're all caught up. We're all on the same page. We've never been stronger on that part of it, but uh, it's scary, you know, being a parent and, and hearing those kind of things. And, but, uh, but yeah, no, I think I, I would parent. I'm going to parent the same way I would with my with my players. And I think having coached for so long, I've been around so many guys. I know guys are different than girls, but uh, I would say that I've learned a lot of experience from parenting just by coaching and being with my players and stuff. So probably similar. You- She'll be listening to some Brian Kane here in the next year. <laughs> tight, tight, tight. Yeah, she'll do some imagery. There you go. I, well, I I couldn't agree with you more about. One, uh, yeah, you're coaching guys, but what I've kind of learned as going into, you know, coaching baseball and then coaching CrossFit is that, like, we're still dealing with humans, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, human male, human female, you're still dealing with humans, and there's so much more respect. Oh, that was you this time. And we're back. And we're back. So so apparently, uh, my parents definitely wanted to get a hold of me. <laughs> <laughs> was that Joe? That that was that was Joe. Oh wow! So they're uh, they're feeling a little cocooned right now as parents or as grandparents. Sure, sure, sure. They're like, "What do we do? We want to go see our grandkids." So, <laughs> um, but modeling, man, um, I, I I definitely couldn't agree more um, from a coaching aspect and a kids aspect because I grew up with my dad saying, and uh, my 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 relationship with my dad has has. Uh, transformed a lot over the years but mm-hmm. I, he definitely grew up I grew up in the realm of do as I say not as I do sure and that is that for both parties is just a it, it's a non-productive thing to say because you want one thing for the player or the kid or whoever you're saying that to but then you're modeling something else and it's hard to kind of uphold it's neither of you are going to get what you really want because there's going to be a rebellious to it, right? There's going to be a lack of respect to it. So the advice might be the correct advice, like do as I say. However, the actions is where I feel like I don't want to do the thing you're telling me to do because you're not willing to do it. So therefore uh, the advice is kind of uh, null and void. 
So as sure. a coach, I mean, and as a parent, I think modeling is probably one of the, um, it's also inspirational, uh, coach, because like I get to tackle my goals and I get to find my purpose that some, sometimes for me, like I've always, I've noticed over the years that I would, I work harder when I have teammates or I work harder when I have people to do it for versus mm-hmm. myself, like actually having to train myself to do things for myself. Um, but when the motivation of like, oh, I know something is good for my kids and the only way to teach them is by modeling is actually beneficial for me. So like I've, I've learned that and maybe you've kind of learned that too as, as far as, um, you know, if you want your guys to work out because I, I never really had, thankfully I never had coaches that were uh, extremely overweight and I'm not talking bad about those people, but it's a lot, sure. uh, it's a lot harder to have coaches or take, like, I wouldn't take health advice from somebody who's 200 pounds overweight. Right. Sure. <laughs> I mean, it just, so there's so much more um, respect for somebody and so much willingness to buy in when somebody is, is doing what they say they're going to, you know, they, they're asking of you. Sure. No, I think it's without, with our situation too, at our house, you know, my wife is, is an incredible role model as well, which is good. You know, she, she's a teacher. And so we're constantly teaching and coaching every single day. And, you know, even during this COVID ep, uh, pandemic, um, our top loft, which was at one point supposed to be my office, and it's got some nice um, plaques and pictures on the walls, but it's now turned into a classroom. And so they've got classroom sessions going on up there, and she's teaching my three-year-old and my newborn just sitting there laughing and watching what's going on. And so, <laughs> yeah, we're very fortunate that we, I think that one of the reasons we were so attracted to each other, not just because she's beautiful and why she's attracted to me, but you know, we have the same similar you know, values and um, we love to, to help others and serve others and teach and lead. I love it. Who, who was, who's kind of been a role model for you? I mean, did you grow up with uh, like, are you pretty much like one of your parents or, or was there somebody else who kind of really uh, stuck out in your mind as you kind of became a, an adult or, or anything like that? Sure. It's funny. It's funny you say that because I'm actually I'm in the basement and I've got 200 DVDs I'm looking at and I'm kind of like picking out a couple for my daughter and one was a the Sunblazers video which is a DVD when I was I don't know eight years old uh, 11 years old playing baseball so we had some really good mentors and stuff back then. Um, Chris Wilmus was the head coach of that team and Pat was my best friend and is my best friend and um, so growing up I was really fortunate to have great coaches in my life and good people. In my, life. my parents were awesome at modeling. You know, they were, they did a great job with, I have a brother and a sister and as far as, you know, modeling, you know, what to do and, and just how to do it. My dad always respected my dad. My dad, you know, since I knew him, you know, growing up was always a plant manager at different companies and businesses. And um, he's in the plastics industry and we moved around a lot. You know, you think somebody from Ohio, like he was, it was military, but it wasn't. He's, kept getting promoted and kept taking different challenges. And we went West coast to California, Chicago. He lived in the South and Mississippi, you know, St. Louis is probably our our biggest home as far as they're the longest kind of a deal. But, you know, as I got older and I got to see just the way he interacted with, you know, people he worked with, I was just always impressed. You know, one thing that stood out to me and I've told him before was like the company picnics and they were, uh, they were always the six flags. So I remember going to six flags and, you know, having a great time, but just, and it's not that, you know, certain way you dress, you know, makes you like 
and it looked down upon people, but like he looked, you couldn't even tell who the, who the boss was at those events. You know, he was just normal dude wore normal clothes and especially just the way he interacted and talked and treated people. You know, he was just, you know, he is a great person and a great man and just, you know, had a lot of respect from all the people that, that worked for him. And, you know, he had a lot of success leading them in the company and stuff. So, but I think that, yeah, both, both my parents did a real good job with that. Yeah, they were pretty much some big role models uh, for me, uh, grand, grandparents, just family, and then, you know, coaches along the way. I was really fortunate to have some good coaches. My high school coach, Steve Fund, is a huge role model and one of the guys that really, you know, got me inspired to be a coach. You know, Mike Goldschmidt gave me my first opportunity to coach and also gave me a chance to play college baseball. And there's been some really good people along the way. So, and always trying to find new people for sure. What are, uh, what are some of the resources you go to now? How, how do you learn right now? <clears throat> well, most of my learning is, is based around baseball. <laughs> you know, I, I do do some leadership stuff and try to, you know, find different ways to get myself better. Um, and now I'm starting to dive into some books about parenting a little bit or, you know, being a girl dad and those kind of things. But, uh, you know, from the baseball perspective, the American Baseball Coach Association uh, was a life-changing move for me. That I joined right when I started coaching with Coach Goldschmidt. So I was like 21, 22, and then going to the first convention. You know, I've only missed conventions if uh, I had a child. So I think that one, and then I missed another one where I was really young in California. It was just a little too expensive at the time, but I slept on floors and, you know, done whatever it takes, staying with ex-girlfriends just to go to the convention. So being there, being a lifelong learner, the resources, the content that they've been able to give out to coaches is, is awesome. I've been fortunate to be on some podcasts and do a couple of clinics with guys and Jeremy Schiedinger, who is a friend of mine. He was, um, he coached and I, I knew him when he was coaching, you know, at Kentucky and then he was at St. Joseph's college. Um, and, that, and he went to, uh, uh, ran his own program at Spalding. He took over the ABCA and was like the college liaison. And he was the kind of guy that made the ABCA like a cool thing in the last like five years. You know, he was just, he's just his personality. He's just somebody who you want to be around who just uplifting. And so the ABC has grown, ABC has grown so much in the last 10 years, you know, since he was involved a little bit, he's no longer doing that. He's now coaching at Georgia Gwinnett um, in Atlanta, but, uh, but yeah, ABCA is a good resource for, for me, um, podcast, listen to many podcasts as I can, you know, usually when I'm cutting grass, that's my number one podcast time when we're driving somewhere, recruiting is a good podcast time. So um, I'm just trying to find people who will, will challenge me as a coach and also inspire me to uh, become better. Nice. So I got to go back to the, the sleeping on girlfriends couches thing. Um, yeah. So have you always known that like you wanted to lead a, a team? Like that's just kind of like when, even as a player, like sure. I know for me, I, I always felt like I wanted to coach. Like there was just something about that. Like even when I played basketball in high school, like those are just things that I, I wanted to be there for the guys. I wanted to be, you know, I want to help motivate them. I wanted to set an example for them, like help them in whatever way I could. Is that something that like, if you look back on your careers, like have you always just wanted to be a coach? Yeah, I think so. You know, I again, my dad was pretty much coaching, although he was, not co a coach was in that leadership role. And my grandpa was coaching in his role and also did some coaching. Uh, both my grandparents, actually, both my grandpa's coach in different areas. And so uh, I think my first like go of like coaching besides working some baseball camps, you know, when you're a little, 
older for some younger guys was uh, like a second grade or first grade boys Catholic school league. Um, a family friend of ours asked us, asked me to help out and coach. And so I took over that team. And, you know, I think when you're younger too, like you're really motivated by just, you know, only winning, like, right. You're just trying to win as much and get the recognition and show that you can do it and you belong. And, and, and so I just, I love competing and I wasn't good enough as a player to keep playing much longer. And so I knew that coaching was what I wanted to do. And so I, even after my freshman year of, uh, college baseball talking to Goldie about going back to Sinclair as a sophomore like you know it wasn't like what schools can we look at or what levels it was like I want to coach you know and I want to you know potentially be a part of your staff if you allow me kind of a deal so yeah I think I knew I want to coach for a long time and then I think you know you get involved and you evolve as a coach you know I think that you start to realize the reasons why you do it not just that it's it's fun to win. I'm not going to lie. It's it's fun to go to World Series and compete for <laughs> national championships. I mean, maybe I wouldn't like it as much if we lost 30, 40 games a year, but I think I get more joy out of just being in the inner circle and helping young men kind of reach their goals on and off the field and the fact that, you know, we're able to really get the student athlete we want here at Sinclair now, and they really want to be in this program, which, you know, that wasn't always the case when they first started. It was like the last resort, and now we're we're turning some really good players away, so. Uh, but yeah, coaching for me started a little bit earlier and just helping people and teaching people and just being competitive. I know uh, to the, to the point that you, a lot of people, like I, I was hesitant to come to Sinclair at first. Um, sure. And I didn't know a whole lot about nothing other than just playing the game. Um, but, you know, transferring in as a sophomore, it, it almost did feel like, you know, to your point, it almost felt like I didn't know, about Sinclair baseball like that. I didn't know that. And then when I got there, like it completely changed my mind. Like the program I was in prior to coming to Sinclair, um, I think that's why I'm so, I wish I was more involved with the program, but I'm just not at, at that point in my life and sure. um, other priorities and other goals that I have. But like what the program did for me uh, was tenfold of to where I was before. And so it really did shake my beliefs and you've done, done such a good job. And that, even to this point that you're on the podcast here, it's like, right. It's like reaching out to you because of the way that you've had an impact on my life. And I've talked in previous episodes actually about the excitement I've had about having you come on because I'm not even sure how much of an impact that you, you had on my life because one of the first coaches that didn't really give a shit if you were the best player or not, that you were treated with respect and that it was, you're treated like, Hey, you're going to be a good human first. You're going to be a hard worker first. You're going to show up and do the reps first. Uh, and then everyone's going to have an equal opportunity. And that wasn't always the case in a lot. And it's still not the case for a lot of coaches. So for me, uh, it's nice to hear that people have that hunger and that desire to come in and play for you because, um, I know that the program just did so much for me. And like, I, I actually took some notes of just some things that I thought were interesting um, that you guys as a program and hopefully these aren't these trade secrets, but you guys just identified parts of the game that you guys could elevate uh, versus like, Hey, let's just take an, another hundred hacks. Hey, let's just throw another hundred balls or like, but you really focused on how do we, how do we take advantage of base running? Uh, how do we take advantage of the mindset? And so kind of curious as to where, if you just kind of had coaches that 
or you just kind of learned along the way. But the it is interesting, the mindfulness aspect of it, because if I if I just walked up to you, at, you know, in the Oregon district and talked to you about baseball, it would be the last thing on my my things that I think you would you would take part in. Sure. Um, well, yeah, I think that the crazy part is it's just, you know, again, being the right man, at the right spot. You know, I I didn't always have this mindset. You know, I've heard our coaches talk about it. I was listening to Eric Borba at Orange Lutheran, who's a friend of mine on a podcast recently. And I think we're talking about maybe the most competitive. And, you know, I've heard other guys say, like, this guy was so competitive, you fight over ping pong and those things. And, like, I was probably that that insane, crazy young person. <laughs> you know, I was I was in seven PE classes my senior year of high school at St. Dominic in, in O'Fallon, Missouri. I was in a lot. And I was the guy that showed up to gym to win it, not just to get that credit or participation thing. So, you know, I was, you know, I thought competitiveness was just throwing a fit and being a baby and, and just, you know, doing whatever it takes to win kind of a deal. And, you know, I, I, I found like mental skills and mental training when I was done playing, it was too late. And I always think about, man, I, I probably would have been a little better for sure. If I knew what the heck I was actually doing and some of the stuff I was probably doing, I just didn't know at the time what it was called, but the biggest thing was <clears throat> the late Ken Revisa. Um, yeah. who's one of the godfathers of the mental game of sports psychology was the first time I saw him speak in Chicago. I was 21 or 22, my first ABCA convention. I have no idea who he is, but like those first conventions, like you don't miss a speaker. Like I, I stayed glued in my seat the whole time. And I just remember like just being blown away. Like, holy cow, this is amazing. Like, where was this at? Like, I don't even know what this is. And for someone who was not a reader and, and didn't read any books at the time, you know, I, I don't think I read one book in high school um, or maybe college to that point. And, and picking up Heads Up Baseball, the original, and reading that from cover to cover and doing it in a very small amount of time. It might have been one day, maybe. I don't know. It was insane. Now, it's not, you know, the craziest book to read. It's, it's good. It's a good reading level for me. But just like, wow, this is how I want to coach. This is how I want to live my life. This is how I want to do things forever. And um, that started the whole process was just that book and that, and that impact he made it. And that's not uncommon. I have a lot of friends who saw Ken at different times of their careers and all of a sudden it just, it just clicked. So not only did I see him and was inspired to, to be like him and learn more about him. Um, I was very fortunate that, you know, right before I took over as head coach, I was still assistant that uh, Rob Cooper took over at Wright state and, you know, getting to know Rob and, and Rob is a huge mental game sports psych type guy. And, he was friends. He is friends or was friends now with Ken Revisa and Ken used to fly into Wright State to work with their players. And Coop used to invite me over to hang out in those meetings, which was awesome. And then through that, through that, Andy McKay, who now is the farm director for the Seattle Mariners, Andy's a huge friend of Coop's. And so, you know, he was at Sac City Community College at the time teaching mental skills and was one of the best guys that related it just to baseball for sure for our players. And, um, it's just the, it was the right time. I was able to learn from some really, really good people about it. And, you know, I'm still, you know, not done as far as my growth from the mental game and mental skills. But I think that's one of the reasons we've been really, really consistent, you know, is, is the buy-in for that. And, you know, we were on a Zoom call the other day with some guys. I know we'll probably use the word Zoom more than we should in this podcast, but it's the, <laughs> it's, it's the thing to do right now. But it was, uh, you know, it wasn't trying to convince a guy to, to do mental skills and mental training, but just trying to show him the impact that it's made on so many guys and then, you know, let him make his own decision, you know, see if it works for his program or not. But this is a buddy of mine who's one of the best high school coaches in the country. And he's had success without some of it and just talking about meditation and visualization, how it helps people. Then also like 
those lawyers or the, you know, people that are really successful in, in business and those guys, you know, the guys you play with and yourself that go back, like those mental skills, that mental training changed my life. Like it really impacted what I do now. You know, not all of us are as fortunate as I am to still be coaching a game, you know, and do those things. But the way you parent, the way you handle yourself, the way you handle yourself in the business world or your career, I think a lot of that stuff from the mental game, mental training gives us a huge edge over people that have no idea what that stuff is. So. It's almost as if you've lived it before. So you've been there before. And so mm-hmm. like, you know, and so I'm, I'm curious as to know what the, what the hook was. I'm, I'm right there with you. Like uh, obviously I came to your program as a sophomore um, and then even had an injury, but like, I almost feel like what would have happened when I was 25 going back to play sports. I felt like if I went back to play sports at 25, that the game would have slowed down, which would have made me quicker. Right. It would have like, it would have just having some of those skills and then having them kind of evolve into my being. Like I found that um, for me, you know, even going back would have been, and obviously it's just in my head, right? It's just sure. this old man ego, old man ego saying I can go do it, sure. but I've kept in good shape. So I feel like from an athletic standpoint, I was probably even stronger. So it really would have been like just preparing myself for it. But um definitely feel like, Hey, if I would have had this sooner and that's why I'm such a big advocate. I mean, I meditate every morning uh, mm-hmm. right now as it is just because I I'm similar to you. in the fact that like when I went, was in gym class, man, I would go all out. Right. I would, I don't care who it was, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going guy or girl. I'm going as hard as sure. I can and to win. And that doesn't always work well in relationships. Um, does not, it does I, not. I, I lost, I lost a few relationships back in the day because of that. So, yeah, so you get exactly – it's not that that emotion. Uh, and, I, I mean, growing up with a dad uh, who was a coach and seeing that, like it's really been ingrained in my system to, to react that way. And so mindfulness has been the most, you know, outside of visualization. I'm just taking visualization off the table here for a moment. Sure. But just, just the meditation part of it and just coming into center and knowing things that are okay, like has been one of the biggest parts of me. I'm curious because uh, I also – I don't think I read my first book until I was 25. <laughs> uh, isn't that nuts? Right? Like it's crazy. I have a bachelor's in business and I, I never read a book. And the large part, probably the same to you is like, there was nothing that I wanted to read that got me excited. And just like, you know, I was like, Oh, I got to keep going. I got to keep reading this. I got to keep going. Sure. Uh, fiction books don't do it for me. Like I like nonfiction books. So mm-hmm. I'm curious to know kind of uh, with the Ken Revisa book, what, what kind of hooked you in there? Like, and then what might be some of the things that, I mean, obviously some of our listeners who didn't, who aren't in the college baseball realm, who have no idea. Actually, I don't know how many of my listeners are even athletes in that, that case. Uh, mostly it's just my mom. I think my mom only listens to this podcast. <laughs> hi mom. But, hi mom. <laughs> Love you. Um, so just curious as to like, what, what kept you wanting to like, thrive and read that book over and over again i think when when i read it the first time you know just you start reading things then you think about when you were in those situations how you handle things and like you start to realize that you could have handled them a different way and it might have helped you you know become better you know especially as you know like control your controllables and you know know what's under your control and, and what's not in your control and separating those two things and really focus again on what you have control over uh it just seemed like you know, every every chapter I read, and, and I'm a hitting guy, you know, offensive guy. Um, the chapter that was on, uh, can you hear me okay? 
Yeah, I can hear okay. you. Can you hear okay. me? Yeah, it was a little cut now a little bit. But the chapter on hitting, I always talk about it's like the best chapter ever made. Like that one just like spoke to me. I was like, wow. And it was just powerful. And so um, even people that don't read books, right? You know, you didn't read till 25. I read, you know, I was in my 20s, probably read a book. You know, now, you know, we we have guys that come to our program. They're probably the same way. You know, for the most part, it hasn't changed. You know, these kids, you know, probably aren't reading a lot of books when they get here. But we've been doing for maybe the last five or six years. We have them read at least two books. And we know they read it because they have to. So we need to talk about it. And we do like a winter book list. And, you know, there's a bunch of different choices. A lot of John Gordon books and, you know, books that I know guys will like. I've read them like the Energy Bus, you know, can be inspiring. Or John Gordon writes a lot of inspirational books. And so like guys that never knew what reading was read some of the things and all of a sudden are inspired like coach I couldn't put it down like it was really good and and that's you know important for me to be able to like give them that avenue to realize that they can learn a lot from different books and stuff so um one quick story real quick was <laughs> one of the books on our list is core values uh, I think it's Zell Miller Mill Miller I think it's a book and he was a governor and it's a good book it was turned to me a long long time ago and you know it talks about the green core values right yeah. And so uh, that's always been in our book list. And sometimes, you know, I, I let guys pick all the books they want. You know, we have a list, they pick them and they get a book report when they get back. But um, sometimes I pick books for guys. Well, I didn't pick this book for this guy, but we had a guy who was our bullpen catcher this very year. He picked core values. Cool. Awesome. Well, we come back from break and, uh, you know, he missed the first meeting. But no big deal. He's our bullpen catcher. He communicated. He works. You know, I just need him when he catches bullpens, right? Well, the next day, he's like, I really need to talk to you. And we sat down. And he's like, Coach, this book changed my life. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, I, you know, I'm not much a reader. I read it. Like, it just, it spoke to me. These words spoke to me and inspired me. And I'm like, that's awesome, man. Cool. So what's going on? He's like, yeah, I'm joining the Army or the Marines. I'm like, what? And so, like, and that wasn't the purpose. I'm not trying to create soldiers by reading this book. But, like, that book inspired him to, to change some things in his life. And he was dead set on it. So, you know, he left our program that day and, you know, I'm going to maybe take that book out of the, the catalog of books because <laughs> I don't, I don't want, I don't want to lose more guys maybe when they're done here and some of that, but just the power of reading, the power of, you know, trying to gain knowledge and, and you hope that that one book, you dangle that carrot, <laughs> carrot of the energy bus, you know, that's going to get them to read training camp. That's going to get them to read uh, a book about growth mindset or whatever the book is going to be. So, um, but yeah, you know, we're, Slowly but surely inspiring readers. And I'm still, I'm more of a listening book kind of guy. You know, I like audible, audible books better than actually reading the books. Uh, I get through those a little bit faster. So, um, but anyway, you can do it. Audible, read it, ebook, whatever works for you. Just trying to seek out more information. Absolutely. Have you always been a learn more information type of person? Because I feel like I felt real static for a long time. Like I felt like this is, this is, this is it. Um, this is what I know. This is how, and I, I kind of always got, I always got, for me, I had, I'm going to call it charisma, I guess. I don't know. I had a way to talk to people that like I could get by in school or I could, which is, I guess is a skill of itself, but um, sure. it's not, it's not the only skill that's necessary, right? Like at some point I'm just left on an Island with the, what I know and it's not always enough. Mm -hmm. And so uh, here in the last few years, we've definitely been uh, turned on to a growth mindset and, have, uh, I mean, uh, I'm probably 30, 40 books in in the last couple years just because of chewing through them on audiobooks and mm -hmm. podcasts and stuff like that, thousands upon thousands of hours. And 
it just really impacts your life. So I was curious as to kind of where, what inspired you to start that way? Because for yeah, me, it came yeah. came with all the, the shit. Like when the shit hit the fan and I looked at my life and I'm like, yeah, the only consistent thing here is me. So I better start uh, figuring myself out. Sure. Yeah, I wasn't always like that for sure. You know, I mean, I was not into like research or learning more or trying to master things. You know, I was like you, I was very resourceful in school. I'll just use that as the best word for it. <laughs> And, and, I, and I found a way. I found a way to get through it and to make sure that I was able to get that piece of paper at the end. But as far as like just, you know, trying to learn more and, and growing, is, that never happened at all. I think that was just, you know, maturity and, and getting a little older and then surrounding yourself with people. And baseball is such a great game for that stuff because you can never stop learning. You know, it's, it's one of those sports where there's just always something going on, whether it's new or something reinvented or a new way of looking at something. I mean, I've always, uh, one of the influencers on in my life and he doesn't know it. And I think, I think he's still alive and, and he wouldn't even know who I was, but Ron Hunt, who played in the big leagues for a while, Ron Hunt was known for the guy who had the record, I think before Biggio broke it of getting hit by pitches. That's all he just, he just wore pitches. Like you look it up, he was like the record holder. And um, he used to run a camp in St. Louis we used to go to his camp and besides like, you know, learning as a kid, not to wear your cleats and gravel and change your shoes or whatever. Like he was, he made a comment about just always trying to pick up something from someone like, you know, it might be someone who has nothing to offer you at all, but like maybe one little nugget to offer you. And so, you know, I started to kind of dive into that and, you know, no matter what I do, no matter where I go, I seem to pick up at least something from everybody. You know, I picked up three or four things that I'm going to implement. Um, uh, from yesterday's meeting, we had a, a Zoom meeting with a TCU's hitting coach, and I'm like, that's awesome. Or or sometimes it's validity, you know, as far as, like, we've been doing this a certain way, and all of a sudden someone's teaching this way, and they're like, you know, they've they've done it at the highest level or a pro bar or whatever. You're like, oh, that that's awesome. We're doing the same things as those guys. We're on the same track. But um, Jerry Weinstein, who is, a, is an older gentleman who's been in baseball for a long, long time. Uh, I was able to work a USA baseball task force with him, got to meet him for like hang out with him one weekend, but Jerry's with the Rockies. Jerry is challenging and learning things every single day. And he has more knowledge in like a finger than, than I ever would like, <laughs> and he's always trying to learn new things about the game or, you know, you see some of these older coaches and these and diving into podcasts or whatever. So whether you're old or young, just, you know, find that balance and trying to, you know, my goal is to make myself the best coach possible. And why do I do that? Because that will help make my players better. So if I'm really into making my guys as good as they can be, I'd be cheating them, you know, if I, if I wasn't doing things to make myself better. Um, and so, yeah, that was definitely not something I had my whole life. You can ask my parents. I was not like, oh, I need to learn more about that. Let's go read this book or let's go learn this. And I wasn't interested in museums or any of that nonsense. I was just trying to play as many sports as possible and hang out with my buddies. So um, that just kind of came on, came on, I guess, a little bit with growth and then trying to either be the best, get to the top of the, the mountain. And then for our program is to stay on top of the mountain. You know, there's a lot of expectations, which, which I love. You know, I like having expectations that we should go to the World Series every year. And, you know, the first time I went to the World Series, and we finally got over the hump and won a regional in Michigan, which was not really a good place for us. And uh, that next year, we, we won a conference shot title, and we lost in the regional finals. We were one went away from going back to the World Series. And I remember, like, no one on campus cared. <laughs> you know, it was, like, the most, like, oh, yeah, you didn't make the World Series? Oh, cool. Like, we just won 40-plus <laughs> games, and we were one win away from going back there. Like, it was still a really good year, but that was the expectation now. Like, 
that we had to be that level. So that's what kind of strives or motivates me, excuse me, to keep getting better and then mm. get, get better, keep getting better players and helping them get better. So what, uh, for the people who, who, who never played baseball, what's a lesson that the sport, you know, that like, I, if I never played baseball, right. Sure. And, and there was like, obviously baseball has taught me a lot about life. It's taught me um, a lot about people and teams and players, but for somebody who hasn't been in that experience, what would be like one, one piece of advice or one nugget, uh, which I love that you say that because when you take that mindset that somebody else has lived thousands upon thousands of hours and have probably done things other than just sit on the couch and vegetate that they probably have something worth, uh, you know, giving to you as far as information that they've compressed it and compiled it is so, so important. So if you can just find a way to add value and learn from other people, it's such a big thing. But what would be the one thing that you would tell somebody who's never been in the sport of baseball that baseball's taught you and that they could maybe comprehend and use for their life? Wow. That's a lot of things that baseball's taught me. So um, <laughs> one, just one, you got to yeah. ask the right question. Jeez. Yeah. You know, our, our game, yeah. Uh, you know, we, there's a lot of failure, right? There's there's a lot of failure in the game of baseball, and everyone always says, you, you know, as a hitter, you can fail seven out of ten times and hit 300, which is, you know, good depending on what level you're at and stuff like that. So, I think the biggest thing that baseball teaches you is, you know, is dealing with failure, learning from failure, and making adjustments. And then when you learn how to play the game one pitch at a time and not to carry over bats or past performances. You know, that's just like anything else. You're 200 feet. You know, what's in front of me right now? You know, you can plan for the future. You can think about the past, but just to be in the moment, like at the time you're there, you know, baseball has a lot of moments and you've got to be able to get locked in each one and be present. Um, and when you are present, you are worried about like winning this pitch and not worried about what could happen, not what might happen, what is happening. You'll be really successful. So I think that it gives you that challenge every day to, you know, come ready to, you know, physically, obviously ready to play, but mentally ready to take its toll on you because you know, it's going to beat you down. You're going to fail more than you succeed. And how do you respond to that? Um, you know, those learning, those learning lessons as far as being a baseball player goes, but that's why I love the sport so much because there is so much uh, failure and it allows people to overcome that and work through that and you know, see what they're made of really test them. So you still have the toilet. Oh yeah, toilet's still there in the dugout. Um, it's taking taking some beatings over the years. No one's actually ever went the bathroom in it, which is good. Uh, but yeah, we have the toilet. Try to have it. We don't. We don't try to have. You have to have your mental stuff prepared. You know, we're we're going to be really good at everything we have control over, and that includes you know your mental skills to work on those. You know, have your routine, have your release, have your focal point, and, and not leaving up the chance like you normally would if you didn't have those things. So something to go to when, when shit hits the fan, cause it's going to hit the fan and, and be able to make that adjustment, you know, in game. So, um, and so for the, for those who don't know about the toilet, the toilet is this little, like, is it Fisher price or something like that? Yeah, I think so. It's like, it's like a kid's kid's potty. And so it's like, Hey, you, you boot the ball or you, uh, you strike out or you swing a bad pitch, something that, you know, just didn't go out of your way or out of your control. Uh, the toilet was a representation of flushing it and moving it on to uh, what he said is what's important next, uh, which, uh, you know, what can I do now? Those are big, big questions from a book standpoint. I'd love to just as we hop off here is I'd love to or wrap up here. I'd love to 
see the list of books that you have um, and, and chew through those. And uh, like I'm, I'm pretty much on that path of as learning as much as I can right now, uh, trying to spend at least at least bare minimum an hour a day learning. Like I feel like I got to be able to at least do that. Um, it's probably more like two or three. Honestly, <laughs> excuse me. Honestly, uh, have you read the the book Willpower Doesn't Work? I have not. That that one is uh, it kind of reminded me when you're talking about like, hey, you're going through your routine, uh, you're controlling your mental state. And it's really all about how the environment uh, around you triggers things. So like if I played a song that was probably like like Billie Jean, right, by Michael Jackson, you probably go into the tune in your head if you're not singing out loud. Mm -hmm. And so it's, uh, you know, how do you leverage that? Because you can't outdo it. Like willpower itself is, is kind of this flawed thing. It's like a turbo boost on your NAS on your car, right? It's like you only get it for a little bit and then it, it just goes away. And so how do you create systems and functions with, and habits that uh, and set up your environment so that way you can repeat success and have that consistency. So that'd be a, a great book. I think if I look back on uh, being a player uh, back in the program, that would be something that definitely uh, would have bought into pretty well. So maybe you might want to add that on your list eventually if, if you have, if you read it and love it, but just, um, just, typed, it in. <laughs> just typed it in. And uh, I usually, I don't know if you've heard of this app It's called Libby. It's a library app. So that's usually where I get all my books for free. Yeah, that one's awesome. L-I-B-B-Y, you link your Dayton Metro card and you just get uh, tons of audiobooks to listen. So there you go, audience. You get free audiobooks right there. Nice. So, yeah, man. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I actually am getting called into the house for the younger boy who's saying, uh, I want you. So <laughs> life of parenting. And um, I, I hope we get to do this again sometime. I appreciate you so much for coming on. Any Any final words for the viewers like, just change their lives. I'm going to put you on the spot. Like you put me on the spot, right? Like you don't even know these people. And we're back. And what is this round four? Yeah, maybe. I think that was my fault though. I was typing in some of that stuff you told me and I don't know if I pressed the wrong button or something happened. I could hear you still talking, but then there was nothing on there. So, uh, interesting. I uh, couldn't hear you. Leave, uh, just kind of like how you threw me out and, sure. uh, Talk, talk to your players just leave us with the closing statement and just let everybody know where they can like support your support your your stuff sure yeah i would say um you know during this covid time you know really use this time to reflect really use this time to connect with people maybe you haven't connected with um you know get closer with your families you know for me who spend so much time away from my family during the spring season this is a good chance to really just be there and, and be around and just to um you know, show them how much I love them and stuff. So really connect with people and then also, you know, get yourself, you know, better work on your, yourself, you're improving your health, your mental state, um, whatever you can do to you know, make yourself more prepared. So when we come out of this, you know, you're ready to dominate or whatever you're, you're doing, whatever field you're in. Um, that would be my advice there. None of in my lifetime, I'd never been had something like this happen where it just freezes everything you know that I love, you know, mainly the game of baseball and, and sport world. And, and so even, you know, 9-11, you know, we rebounded pretty quickly and you know, obviously made some changes with some national security and, you know, the country was, was very close for a while, but this has been a, a long time and we don't know when it's going to end. So just do the best you can, know there's going to be light in the tunnel and just try to become, you know, better and more prepared, I guess. So Hello. as far as where guys can see me or find me or support me, uh, uh, Twitter, Coach Dintz, D-I-N-T-Z, 41 is my Twitter handle. 
you know, I'm on there pretty much. I really don't do the rest of the platforms as, as much. Uh, Instagram, I was on there for like an Instagram video last week, but I don't really know how to do that and stuff. So I'd say there, if you need to reach me, send me an email. Anytime you can eat, go to SinclairAthletics.com and the staff directory, find my email there. And you know, I'm very responsive. If anyone has a follow-up question on something or just wants, you know, information, I, I'm, we're baseball coaches. If you're, not, if you're not in the baseball community, know that baseball is a special community because it's one of the only sports where everyone's constantly sharing and helping each other's out. You know, uh, football is not really like that. You know, you got your plays and people are very secretive and baseball. It's kind of wide open there. I've shared my, my signs with people. Um, I've shared everything I can. There's, there's nothing that you can't get from me about my program. Even people in our conference know what we have. They just can't stop it. So love it. Well, again, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for doing this with me and taking time away from the family during COVID. I know it's a little bit easier right now because you're not in spring season. So I'm pretty fortunate to have you on the, on the podcast and uh, hopefully I have you back sometime and I'll talk to you, talk to you later, man. Sounds good. Thanks, Caleb. Take care. See you, Steve. Hey, thank you everyone for listening to that podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed sharing it with you. And I wanted to finish up here with a few shout outs is uh, the Gap 5 Journal. Uh, so go to gap5.com. It's G-A-P-F-I-V-E. And what I have there for you is a free 30-day fillable PDF. Uh, within that is a frameworks that really take me from where I am, uh, where I was to where I am, and so on and so forth. Uh, it's just this progressive journal that I do in the morning and the evening, a simple uh, exercise where practicing questioning and kind of framing the mind a little bit to focus on what we want to focus on. And I wanted, it changed my life, it actually didn't just change my life, it saved my life. It took me from a really dark place um, and, and, and it increased my relationships, it increased my financial situation, it increased my happiness in every day, and it alleviated my depression. And you don't have to be in those positions. Like That's just where I was. But the power of the tool and the reason I wanted to share it with all of you was simply because the power of taking from where you are to where you want to be and holding you accountable every single day, but in a way that makes you feel and sense the progress that's happening. It's not something that you got to wait a year. Like I like instant gratification. I like that benefit. I like that positive feedback. And I designed the journal. I designed the frameworks exactly for that. Um, so go ahead and do yourself a favor and do me a favor and head on over to gap5.com and just grab the free PDF and then let me know what you think of it. Uh, also, if you like this podcast, uh, please share it with a friend. Uh, like I said, um, sharing is caring and sharing will help you remember something else. So if you can snap it with a screenshot, whatever you're on, send it to a friend. Also, uh, whatever platform you're listening on, just like and leave a real review. I appreciate it so much. Like I said, I'm so grateful for all of you. And until next time, thank you guys.